If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, I will be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 7. As we continue our three-week series addressing the question, why does God allow suffering? And kids, if you're looking for a word of the day, today it'll be the word suffering. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us in your word and by your spirit and most of all in the person and work of Jesus And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us to help us learn and to grow and to trust. As we address a very challenging question, Lord, there are a number of people in our own congregation who come to mind that I know for a fact are uh, suffering some through some of the worst things they've ever faced. So, would you... Help us in our time of need. Would you use this time to help us to trust you more and to know you more deeply and to even find some joy in the fact that we experience suffering in this life because you are a God who is powerful enough to bring such good things even out of the bad things. Bless us now. Our hearts uh, need to see your glory, and we know you are ready to display it. Would you do that now as we look at your word? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start this morning by talking about caterpillars. Maybe we don't talk about caterpillars enough. There's something very interesting about caterpillars, if you think about it. Um, some caterpillars are more beautiful than other caterpillars. Let's just be honest. Right? You got some of them are really fuzzy and cute. And then you got some that are kind of like, eh, I don't really want to look at that. Some caterpillars are more beautiful than other caterpillars. But no caterpillars 
are as beautiful as they will be when they become a butterfly. Right? If we reach back into our second grade science teaching and remember what happens uh, to a caterpillar. A caterpillar uh, ends up making a chrysalis and then while it's in that chrysalis, it goes through metamorphosis, it goes through a change and it emerges as this beautiful butterfly, right? So there's this process through which a caterpillar, which has some level of beauty to be sure, becomes a butterfly, which is much more beautiful to be sure. Why are we talking about caterpillars and butterflies. Uh, we are continuing our three-week study of God's Word and what God reveals to us in light of the question which so many of us have, and that is, why does God allow suffering? And last week, we focused in on the fact that God clearly, explicitly, and implicitly reveals that whenever He does allow suffering, He allows suffering for a very good purpose, even though some of those times we're suffering, we can't, we can't see what that purpose is. We can trust that he's got a good purpose. And we talked about the fact that God's word indicates that in the future he will reveal what those purposes were. And we will not only approve, but we'll worship him. So we talked last week about the fact that we know that when we're suffering, God has a good purpose in it. Today, we're going to continue on that theme, realizing that God does allow suffering in some respects because of what it produces within us, because of the impact that it can have on us if we will trust Jesus, if we will keep our faith in Jesus when we are suffering ourselves or when we're thinking about the concept of suffering. That's our focus for this morning, that for those who trust in Jesus, there are actually benefits to suffering. For those of us who have our trust in Jesus, there actually are some benefits to suffering. Now, the key is trust because one person can go through some certain form of suffering and come out on the other side angry and frustrated and bitter. Another person could go through virtually identically the same exact suffering yet with their trust in Jesus and come out on the other side a different person in some really positive ways. They might have gone from a little like a caterpillar to a little more like a butterfly. The same suffering can have a very different effect. That's why Charles Spurgeon used to say, the same sun which melts wax hardens clay. The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. So here's what God is promising us in his word. Not only does all suffering serve a good purpose, but also if we will trust him, if we will trust Jesus when we're suffering, when we're thinking about suffering, uh, there are actually benefits that come to us. And I want to talk about two of these categories for benefits. One, uh, when we trust Jesus in the face of suffering, he makes some beautiful adjustments to what we're like as people, to what you're like as a person. So we'll talk about some beautiful adjustments. Uh, Second, when we trust Jesus through our suffering, uh, he gives to us breathtaking 
abilities. Breathtaking abilities that we would not have had we not, had we not gone through what we've been through. So let's talk about these beautiful adjustments and uh, these breathtaking abilities. Would you flip with me to Romans five, chapter three, or Romans chapter five, verses three through five? I want to uh, go there for a moment to talk about these beautiful adjustments. Romans five, three through five. It's on page eleven ninety eight. And here's the first thing I want us to see this morning. It is this, that if your faith is in Jesus, through suffering, God makes beautiful adjustments to your character. That is, to what you are like as a person. If your faith is in Jesus, through suffering, God makes beautiful adjustments to your character. What you are like as a person. Look at Romans 5, 3 through 5. Look at what Paul says. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Okay, so right there, he's showing us that there is a reason for us to even take some measure of joy when we are suffering. What does he say? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You can make a note that you can look at James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 to see something very similar. This is one of the things that God promises to us in his word. That if we'll trust him, then we can know that through our suffering, God is making some beautiful adjustments to what we're like as people. I mean, look at what he's saying. He's saying there's a process, right? There's a process that we go through. When we're suffering, if we're relying on him, we we endure it. And it's that endurance that actually produces, he says, character. In other words, it produces some changes in what we are like as a person. And so then what happens? Well, when we begin to see that God, through our suffering, was changing who we are as a person, and we realize that those are some positive changes, that's why character produces hope. We get filled with hope because we realize, okay, God didn't abandon me in this moment. God wasn't doing this, allowing this in my life because he hated me, but rather because he loves me. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that God was very much with us in our suffering and using it to make some beautiful adjustments to what we're like as people. Adjustments that we wouldn't want to give up. I remember uh, the first time that somebody presented this to me in scriptures using Romans 5, 3 through 5. I was sitting with a pastor named Pastor Dave and um, I was basically sitting there pouring out my heart, telling him all the reasons why I probably didn't belong in church because God didn't love me. And I was telling him that I know God doesn't love me because he let this bad thing happen and he let that bad thing happen and he let this bad thing happen. And I gave him this entire list. I don't know, I think it had like 13 things on it. That in my mind was the proof. There's no way God loves me or maybe even knows that I exist. And I'm pouring my heart out to Pastor Dave. He knows I'm a college student. And here's what he says. Matt, do you know how to make a sword? I'm like, 
It's kind of pouring my heart out to you, bro. I, I haven't taken Metalwork 101 um, over at the university, so no. The answer is no. I don't know how to make a sword, but you know, if you're into that or if you think war's coming, I guess we can change gears and talk about that. And he said, listen to me, Matt. He said, let me tell you how to make a sword. He said, to make a sword, you take a clump of iron out of the earth. It's cold and it's hard. And you put it in an oven and you heat it and you heat it and you heat it and heat it and heat it. And it begins to soften under the heat. And then, and then you pull it out. You kind of fold it as much as you can. And then you pound it flat with a hammer. And you put it back into the heat, back into the oven. You heat it. You take it out. You fold it. And you pound it flat. And you just continue to do that. It's a process of heating and folding and pounding, heating and folding and pounding. That eventually takes the cold, hard clod of iron and transforms it into this beautiful, shining steel sword that's virtually unbreakable and ready for battle. All it needs is just a little sharpening. And and so Pastor Dave says to me, Matt, have you ever considered the possibility that instead of God having abandoned you in your suffering, is it, is it possible he was very much with you? Completely with you. Heating and folding and pounding, but to shape you and to transform you into the person that you have become and are becoming. He said, have you ever thought about that? And I said, no, no, no. And then he said, well, let's do this. Let's walk through some of those things, some of your list. And let's ask the question. When you went through those things, let's ask, what did you lose? And what, if anything, did you gain? And so we took another hour or so and we walked through my list And I lost things. I could see that. Um, I could see that through the heating and folding and pounding in my life, I had lost some things I, I didn't want. God had made me a little less selfish. He had made me a little less judgmental. He had made me a little less conceited. And then I, then I, then I could see that he had also made some beautiful adjustments to who I was. He had made me a little more humble. He had made me a little more patient. He had made me quite a bit more compassionate. And I realized that I liked the person that I had become more than the person that I was before. And I realized at that moment that suffering had played a key role in some of the beautiful adjustments that God had begun to make 
in me and what I was like as a person. And I realized I didn't want to go back and erase what had happened, but I wanted to see even more about what he had been doing. And I found myself for the first time in my life thankful for the very things that I thought were proof he didn't love me. Those very things became the proof, part of the proof that he does love me. And so I, I, what, what I would exhort you to do is looking at Romans 5, 3 through 5, I would take time to look back over what you have suffered through. And, and I would boldly ask you the question as well. What did you actually lose and what perchance have you actually gained And I want to challenge you to do this in your community groups. If you're not in a community group, you should stop by the grow table before you leave today. Sign up to be in one of our community groups. What a great opportunity for us as a church in our community groups to to share more of our stories and talk about what we've been through. And in community, begin to recognize some of the things, some of the beautiful adjustments that God has made. You might even find people telling you that what they love most about you you gained as a result of suffering. If you will look at your history, which God wrote for you, uh, from a position of trust, so you begin to see that God wants to give you things that you could never acquire on your own. There are certain changes to our character. There are certain ways that God knows we'll experience more joy if we become more like Christ in those ways. There are certain ways like that, that he knows we could never accomplish on our own. But he does bring them about mysteriously through suffering. So if you have suffered, look and see and be filled with hope as you realize he's been making adjustments to who you are as a person. Uh, If you are suffering right now, wait and see. Trust him now and know that he's, he's got you in the chrysalis. You're going from caterpillar to a little more like The butterfly. So he's making some beautiful adjustments. He's also giving us, in our suffering, breathtaking abilities. And that is not hyperbole. Now flip back to 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. It's on page 1225. And let's talk about these breathtaking abilities. Here's the point. If your faith is in Jesus, remember all of these good things happen only in and through real faith in Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus through suffering, you gain a breathtaking ability to comfort those who are suffering like you have. If your faith is in Jesus through suffering, you actually gain a breathtaking ability to comfort those who are suffering like you have. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Pause. Right there, he's explicitly revealed the only source of true comfort in our affliction and in our suffering is God himself. You know, we look to so many other things to find comfort, and that's why we're not comforted in our suffering. God is the God of all comfort, Okay. Verse 4, he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. Look at this. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, so you will also Share in our comfort. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that God does indeed comfort those, his people who turn to him in their suffering. Turn to him through prayer. Turn to him through reading his word. Turn to him through continual worship. So God does comfort us and... In the process, then we gain this breathtaking ability to bring comfort to others who are suffering. How are we comforted by God in our suffering? Well, this is part of what we talked about last week. Notice how Paul says we share in Christ's sufferings. What does he mean? Well, what he means is that those of us who have faith means we are united to Christ by faith. All that is his is ours. All that is ours is his. And therefore, his suffering that paid for sin is our suffering that paid for sin. Not his sin, but our sin. So we share what he has accomplished. An atoning, suffering death to pay for sin. And when we realize that, then his suffering becomes profoundly comforting to us because we know that through faith in him, not through our works, as we affirm today using the catechism, not through our works, but strictly and only through faith in Christ, we are forgiven of all of our sins. We are declared righteous. We are promised eternal life. And in that way, Christ's sufferings, in which we share, comfort us. Because Christ suffered on the cross, he can comfort us. And what Paul is saying is, because we have suffered, in certain ways, we then can turn and bring comfort to others. The Puritans used to call sufferings our crosses and our losses. And what Paul is saying is, when you think about your individual and particular crosses and losses, whether you've ever realized it or acted upon it, you now have, if your comfort is in God, you now have the breathtaking ability to bring comfort to people who are suffering in similar ways. Let me give you two real-life examples of that. Um, I'm changing the names of these people because they're real people. Let me tell you about Gina and Tracy. Gina and Tracy. So uh, a number of years ago, a woman in our church, and we'll call her Gina, went through the worst thing she's ever been through. Her husband was unfaithful to her um, and not for the first time. And it was absolutely brutal. And in a very, very difficult manner, she did feel the Lord uh, leading her to go ahead and sue for divorce. And the elders of our church supported that. We know that God hates divorce, but he loves his children. And there are times where God allows divorce in certain cases to rescue his children out of these terrible situations. And so she, with the elders' approval, divorced him. 
And not only what that was, was brutal, but, but then, you know, just going through this whole process of having been cheated on, of the, 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 the just suffering that that brought in her heart and mind. Uh, I, I tried to minister to her. I tried to, uh, share comforting things with her. And I, I think she would say that some of the things I said and did brought some comfort. But, but I, the whole time I just kind of knew I, I haven't been through this. I don't know what, what this is really like. And an idea popped in my head. I knew another woman who I'll call Tracy, who had been through something very similar. And so I contacted Tracy and I said, a woman in our church is going through what you went through many years ago and I'm trying to minister to her and I know I'm failing in many ways. Would you be willing to reach out to her? And you know what she said? I quote, I really do cherish opportunities like this. Thank you for letting me in. And Gina and Tracy got in touch with one another. And Gina, uh, Tracy was able to walk Gina through this. She was able to help her fix her eyes on Jesus. She was able to help her find real comfort. And it was breathtaking. And from a distance, I got to watch Tracy using her breathtaking ability to bring comfort to people who have suffered the way that she has suffered. I'll give you another example, myself. So many of you know, because I share it a few times a year, that I was sexually abused when I was five years old. And one of the reasons I share this periodically through the year is because I know that there are far more people who have experienced sexual abuse than you and I realize. In fact, experts say that one in four women and one in six men have experienced some form of sexual abuse in their life here in the United States. But they also say that 80% of people who have experienced sexual abuse never tell anybody. Now, so I mentioned that, and every time I do, usually one or two people will come and they'll tell me that they too are a victim of sexual abuse. And I become immediately devastated and excited because God has given me these opportunities to help people who are victims of sexual abuse walk through their abuse and understand it more and understand God more and come to a place of peace. And here's the best part. It's not being a pastor that gives me that ability. It's being a victim who has been comforted by God. And I have sat in my office with people who are victims of sexual abuse as I am. And it's amazing the connection that forms. Because being a victim, I know things that no one could learn on their own. I know that the victim can remember everything about the abuse. Every second and every detail from the color of the wallpaper to the texture of the carpet. I know that. And I also know that all victims of sexual abuse, even though they are 100% sure it was not their fault, we carry profound amounts of shame. I know that. And I know when I sit with another sexual abuse victim 
that it's the secret that we kind of want everybody to know and nobody to know. And there's a number of other things. And, and so when I sit with someone, it's almost like we've known each other our whole lives, even if we've just met. And I remember in particular, a woman and her husband came and sat with me and she shared about what had happened to her. And we began walking a journey because she said to me, she said, I feel like you're at peace with what has happened to you. And I can't imagine being at peace with what has happened to me, but I want to get there. And I was so excited to say, oh, we'll get there. And we got there over time. Through talking her through and the scriptures and how good God is. She got there. Which now makes her someone who has been comforted by God and can now comfort those who are suffering the same way she has suffered. And that means the same about you. So how do you apply this? Well, uh, uh, use it. Use the breathtaking ability that God has given you uh, according to the unique ways in which you have suffered. One way to do this is to begin to share more about what you've been through. We just want to be honest at this church. We've all suffered, right? Then there's no need to hide it. And to begin to share more about the ways that you have suffered, the things that you have suffered through, maybe in your community group, maybe this is something to do among your neighbors, maybe if you're a UCF student at college, because what happens when you express what you've been through, you put some lines out in the water, and what happens is someone will bite, someone says, I, I went through that, or I'm going through that, and then it begins. And you get to use this breathtaking ability that God has given to you to take the comfort with which he has comforted you and help pass it on to them. And here's what happens when you do that. When you do that, you you know that you're doing something that you could have never learned on your own. When you do that, you realize that you're able to do something now that you could have never practiced enough, read enough books to know how to do. And you, I promise you, every time I sit with a victim of sexual abuse and we walk through the scriptures and we begin a journey, every time I, at some point, wind up saying a prayer of thank you to my God. Not diminishing the wickedness of what happened to me, but exalting the glory of the one who has now used it to give me a breathtaking ability that I I could have never achieved, I could have never earned on my own. And isn't that just like him? Isn't he the God who does for his people what they could never do on their own. Isn't that the whole point of the gospel? The good news of the gospel is that while we could never live a perfect, perpetually perfect life, while we could never pay for our sins, the God who gives to his people what they cannot acquire on their own sends his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life in our place and die a sinner's death in our place so that through faith alone in him, 
we might have permanently, unshakably, something that we could never have acquired on our own. So, why does God allow suffering? Well, we're we're learning some things. And today, I think the Lord wants us to look at our stories and look for those beautiful adjustments and be amazed. And I think he wants to look at our stories and make use of these breathtaking abilities that we would be a source of comfort to sufferers which will change their lives and ours as we begin to worship the one who's the God of all comfort. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I pray, Lord, uh, we pray particularly for those who are suffering deeply right now. Would you comfort them with the good news of the gospel comfort them they cannot achieve comfort on their own but we know your word tells us that you're close to the brokenhearted and you lift those who are crushed in spirit and so would you do that would you lift 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 comfort 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 and for those of us who have found peace with you over our suffering we've been able to trust you after looking at it through the lens of the cross, would you uh, embolden us to thank you and to rejoice in the beautiful adjustments you've made and what we're like as people and would you unleash us to use the breathtaking abilities that you've given to us that people might see your glory, trust your son and find comfort in you alone, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.